Yeah, I met Ashley right through a mutual friend on Facebook, your nail boy. And, um, you know, we, we was doing the St. Louis Surge basketball broadcast last year, and we were just trying to, you know, find some other ways to be able to kind of uh, broaden the broadcast. And so Ashley came along, and, and I watched one of her tapes from her doing the game of Whitmer, and she is a true student of the game. Uh, she's so wise beyond her years, and she just brings something different from the network. And as she continued to mature and stuff, especially as a writer, she has her own blog, Sports with Ashley, and now she's one of the main contributors at In The Zone Network. You can find a lot of her stuff on her WordPress. So, again, that's someone else. She's young. Uh, she has her whole future ahead of her, and I'm glad that she's a part of the network, the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you are in the zone, baby. Welcome to the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. Checking in today, I've got a special guest. My brother, Arlington, the A-Train Lane, is joining me yet again. It's the second time now. Yes, it is. On the Price Check Podcast. Welcome, sir. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that, man. (laughs) So, we got got a little bit to get into today. Uh, We're right at about two full weeks into the NBA season now. Um, And really coming off of a very exciting night of basketball last night. Um, we saw Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers drop the 60-burger on Brooklyn and still took an L. So, look, before we get into these performances that we touched on, a lot of them actually did come in losses last night, which was crazy to me. So, Dame dropped 60, career high and a franchise record for the Blazers. Um, lost by four to Brooklyn, I think 119 to 115. Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie combined for 67 points. Mm. I'm not sure how to feel about Portland right now. <laughs> but, you know, Portland is Portland, man. Portland has this – they have this core where they're going to make the playoffs. and But they just cannot seem to find that oomph that it will get them further uh, to a possible NBA Finals berth. And, I mean, right now, the West is going to be wide open, considering with the the next person that's on your list, (laughs) what he was able to do. So, next up on the list, uh, talking about some of these spectacular performances coming to losses, we got D'Angelo Russell of the Golden State Warriors last night. Dropped a career-high 52 points, um, losing to the Timberwolves' Andrew Wiggins. Finally, starting to put it all together uh, for the Timberwolves, had a 40-point game himself last night, hit the game clinching basket in overtime. It's about time. It's about time. Andrew, you've been out here getting just free lunch for years. And and talking trash (laughs) at that too. Now, I will will give him a little bit of credit for – you know, this offseason, I guess they had, I think ESPN or, or one of the, you know, larger sports networks put out a um, list of, I believe, the top 200 mm-hmm. players in the NBA. And Andrew Wiggins was not one of them. Right. 100 200. He wasn't on the list. Right. He took that personally and has 
actually started to play well this year. It's something that I didn't think that I would be able to say for Andrew Wiggins. So kudos to him. Uh, you know, give him a little bit of love today. Timberwolves looking like they are coming along a little bit. I I just don't know what to think of them though. You know, uh, after that scuffle that uh, Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Joe Embiid got, yeah. now it seems like the Wolves got a little fire up under them. They're starting to play a little better, you know. Uh, I see right now uh, Wiggins going to continue to act like that, man. I mean, play like a man possessed because that's the way you're going to have to be at this point if you don't even want to feature, be featured in the playoffs or even want an all-star break. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. This, If you want to talk that – Talk that stuff. Talk it, man. But also show it out there on the court. Yeah, and it looks like the coaching staff has basically beat it into his head that, look, you're no longer taking long twos. That Either they're threes or you're trying to get to the rim. Uh, because I think that was one hole in his game up until this year that he never really got over. Um, and, you know, he – plays like one of those kids who came up in like the early 2000s watching basketball, watching the likes of Kobe Bryant, Vince Carter, and those guys play like iso ball and, you know, Tracy McGrady taking longer twos and those were the shots that got glorified. Yeah, it's funny though because, you know, that was that's what coaches back then would usually want their kids to do, that stop shooting threes so much. Yeah. This ain't about a three points, I want twos. And so, you know, what the approach he took was – Take the long two, but now the game has more evolved into more three pointers, yep. and and you know even people that are six foot ten and above are starting to shoot those now. So yeah. that's more of the game, and it's like if you ain't driving to the cup, you need to hit a three. Yeah, because yeah. they're worth more. I'm like the percentages are crazy enough have been actually better than they have been in the past. Is is their shooting better or what? Is it more efficient on the shot? That's what's crazy to me. But that is the game nowadays. I guess we we finally wised up as a basketball world and said, ah, you know what? Three points is worth more than two. (laughs) What do you know? What do you know? But Uh, it was just so selective, you know, when you would shoot them. You know, you didn't have a lot of players that would actually take that kind of shot. And, and to your point, you know, it's something now where a lot, more, a lot more players are actually able to comfortably take and make these shots. Mm-hmm. So, lends itself well to, to the change. Now, shifting gears a little bit to somebody who actually did get a win yesterday, Mr. Pascal Siakam. We gave him a shout-out um, on one of the first episodes, like right around the time that the season started. Um, the man has been balling. And Toronto, while they lost Kawhi Leonard, they still look, while not the same team that won the championship, they look like they're still capable of being a contender in the East, thanks to him. Yeah, and as it should be, because uh, Siakam knew that Kawhi Leonard wasn't probably going to be part of that team. So he knew in his mind he was going to have to step it up. Yeah. And he has Chris Bosh type numbers and you know when he was there in Toronto and they're gonna need that out of him you know throughout the season because if you lose Siaka man you in the, in the place where the Warriors are gonna be <laughs> if we be honest with ourselves yeah I mean, Kyle Lowry true. can't carry that team man you know uh, and I don't see anybody that's gonna have the production as Siaka so you need to protect them as much as possible you you know I almost need us 
a real second man to kind of help him out just to make sure that he stays out there on the court. Yeah, definitely. He had a big game last night, 44 points, 10 rebounds, um, killed the Pelicans again just like he did on opening night. Uh, so big shout-out to him and what the Raptors are doing so far. Uh, also had a couple game winners last night. Uh, we had Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, game winner over Philly. He got fouled on the shot. They didn't call it either. Um, he, he was kind of lobbying for that after the I fact. Guess, but I guess it didn't matter. No, didn't matter. Still went in. Um, and then we also had Boyan Bogdanovich of the Utah Jazz hit a game winner over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, win 103-100 in that game. Giannis still looking like Giannis, and we'll actually get to him in a little bit of a, a later discussion uh, and talking about some early MVP favorites. But the Bucks. I mentioned this last week, um, and we'll get your takes on this too, Arlington. I just don't think they are the same team missing Malcolm Brogdon. It is true. It's, it's not the same team. And seeing him over in Indiana, in the Central Division at that, you know, that could really be a downfall for Milwaukee. And it also could play a part in him leaving Milwaukee too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep. I mean – uh, you would think with a gentleman like uh, Giannis that, and the new, uh, new stadium that they have now for the last year or so, that they will build around that to, you know, get them into possible title-bound teams, you know, being a title-bound team. And it's going to be interesting to see how well that gets to when it gets to April because they'll be, if not, them and the Pacers will be the top two teams in the Central. Yeah. So it's gonna see what's gonna what's gonna tick when it gets down to crunch time and playoffs time in April and May. Yeah. Now while Indiana has had, you know, some early season struggles from a win loss perspective, uh Brogdon right now I think is averaging twenty ten and five. So he's kinda needed, man, at this point at this at this point in the season. Early. Yeah. Yeah, it's early, but I mean, putting up those types of numbers, that's something that Milwaukee could use right now, uh, especially in you know those close games like they played last night. So, uh, for those of y'all who are just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price, with my man, uh, Arlington A-Train Lane here on the show. show is, of course, sponsored by the In The Zone Network and the In The Zone Store. Um, so, discussion that I wanted to have today um, as we, you know, kind of start this early season look at teams starting to separate themselves as contenders, we also have to take a look at players who are kind of starting that early run towards the MVP uh, award in the league. So, First eight games, huh? Okay. Yeah, you know, first eight games, we only a tenth of the way in. We only a tenth of the way in, but hey, it's never too early. You don't look. You don't have to get ready when you stay ready, baby. That's right. You, know? That's <laughs> you right. ain't got to get ready when you stay ready. So, we stay ready here at the Price Check Podcast. So, first, the two guys that I want to kind of talk about today, um, one being Giannis, who we just kind of talked about here a second ago, um, and kind of what it would mean if he did win the MVP award again this year, um, and then a similar discussion for one LeBron James, or as he has referred to himself on Twitter lately, the Washed King. <laughs> Um, but the the reason I want to want to start this discussion is because I think they both have two very interesting and intriguing MVP cases, and also kind of two different historical precedents. Um, you know that could be talked about in relation to them potentially holding the award at the end of the year. Yes, so sir. we'll start with Giannis first. 
he averaged 27.7 points, 12 and a half rebounds, six assists last year while winning the MVP. So far through, you know, this first couple weeks of the season, he's averaging 29 points, 14 rebounds, and seven assists. So the numbers are already moving upward from what he had last year. Um, he's also taking four threes per game this year, which he actually looks comfortable and competent behind the three-point line, which, you know, is pretty scary for the rest of the league. And it's something that he has come out and said. It's like, hey, I'm only about 60% of what I could be as a player. If Giannis keeps this up, do you believe that he will be the MVP in the league again? Oh, this no year? doubt about it, man. You're looking at it from uh, a standpoint where this is a guy – Six foot eleven, two hundred. He don't even look two forty, but he looks something <laughs> wet like one ninety. Yeah, but he still can play his right around on the offensive end and defensively. He's one of the scariest guys you ever want to come up against. Yeah, and so as long as he remains healthy, and that's been the that's been echoed for years now, that if you remain healthy and you can still play at a high level, you're going to be well awarded. And in this case, Giannis could be a back-to-back MVP player. It's going to be if, – if it remains at this point, this and whatever the washed king is up to, <laughs> yep. it's going to be a close race for that MVP without oh, yeah. question. Definitely. Now, getting into the historical aspect of this that I kind of mentioned, um, the reason this is interesting to me in regards to Giannis is because before now, in present time, we've had – only 11 players win back-to-back MVPs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's over a 60-year period. That's over a 60-year period. So what that would mean if he's able to do it this year kind of solidifies a long-term legacy for him even before he truly gets into what we would probably consider the true prime of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the, the players who have done this, you've got Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, of course, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, even though I don't think he should have back-to-back MVPs, <laughs> LeBron James, and Steph Curry. All right. Now, you mentioned those 11 names. If memory serves me correct, eight out of the 11 are all 6'9 and above. Yeah. Yep. That's unprecedented. The other three are one six six, one was six one, the other six two, give or take. You know right. what I mean? Nash and Curry, the shortest ones out of the bunch. Right. But that's phenomenal. And for Giannis, will probably be the second foreign born player to have that. Was Tim Duncan considered foreign born? I guess US not. Virgin yeah, Islands. Virgin yeah. Islands. They consider well, I'm that part about of the US. Partially outside of the United States, right? To do that. Be well, fun. Steve Nash is Canadian. Even we consider him North one of American. us. Yeah. Okay. All right, <laughs> let's jump it even further. Yeah. Outside of North America, Giannis would be that guy. He would. I'm still gonna put first on his yeah. name, regardless. Steve Nash, one of us. He he played in the league and right. in, in the states long enough. You you one of us. Welcome right. to America, Steve Nash. <laughs> but Giannis is, is not that type of guy, and that's why they call him the Greek freak, because he's literally a freak of nature Yeah, out there on the court, man. So it's like to see that going night in and night out and 
that'll just be unprecedented, man. You know, you come a long way since his rookie season. Yes, a, a very long way. This was somebody who was struggling to be a rotation player yep. when the Bucks first drafted him, and he is now a perennial uh, MVP threat. So, next up, one LeBron James, a.k.a. the Wash King, uh, let Shannon Sharp tell it, LeGoat James. Um, what LeBron has started doing this season, uh, or started off doing this season, I think has to be mentioned just off of the strength that this is year 17. To put this in perspective for you guys, one of, well, not one of, my favorite player of all time, not the GOAT, but my favorite player of all time, Kobe Bryant. In his 17th NBA season was the year he tore his Achilles. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say not that, you know, not that LeBron is going to get injured or anything like that. Definitely don't wish that on him. Um, but this is around the time where this is supposed to start going south. And LeBron does not look like he has missed a beat at all coming into this season. What would this mean for him – in your opinion, if he's able to pull off year 17, 35 years old by the time the season would end, another MVP award to add to his man? You know, this is one of them hard discussions to really have because you got to remember, most guys did not come out of high school and jumping in. You know, you mentioned Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett, and we didn't mention Kevin, but I'm saying Kevin Garnett is another example. Jermaine O'Neal, you know, he's playing uh, for a long time, you know, coming out of high school. Uh, Dwight Howard yep. is in that conversation. Uh, for LeBron to do that, he'd be considered one of the ones out of high school to, you know, be able to continue at this war path, mm-hmm. you know. And the Watch King, I mean, the more that he continues to do this, what it scares me the most is that it's going to deteriorate a lot faster than it will help him. Yeah. And I know he has something that he has to prove. But at the same time, you have to remain healthy in this in this whole season, man. Because last year you were injured; he was injured. Yeah. And so it was the first real time that he wasn't on the load management thing, <laughs> right. which we'll discuss uh, from what I was told and 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 later on in the show. But my thing is, he's still breaking down. It's just that it don't look like it. Right. That's what it like on uh, out there on the court. He's like he's. Whole nother man, you know, he's 21 in a 35 year old man's body. And so, but if he still remained at a high level, man, I hope he's remaining healthy through the whole process because the minute that it that stops, that's the Lakers season. I'm sorry yeah. because he's the backbone uh, of this new look Lakers franchise and the new look Lakers team now, you know, with Anthony Davis and then you got Danny Green. You lose him, you say, well, Anthony Davis carried not so much. Anthony Davis is injury prone just like any other player, so he may not be able to carry that torch if LeBron were to go down. So it's going to be really, really eye-opening to see how he continues throughout the year. Definitely. Definitely eye-opening. And so just to give LeBron's numbers here to start the season, uh, 26 points, 8 rebounds. Ten and a half assists, leading the league in assists. So this point guard, LeBron, that Frank Vogel kind of talked about in the offseason and leading up to the regular season, um, from a number standpoint, has definitely worked. Now, as somebody who watches a lot of Lakers games, don't 
get it twisted. While LeBron is still leading the league in assists, there is still a need for a, another primary ball handler. Like that's that's not something that has been completely swept under the rug, even with the success here early on in the season. Um, but in terms of what he's doing night in and night out, he's you know kind of showing that he can age a little bit more gracefully if that is asked of him. Um, in the event you know, and Anthony Davis does start to take his own MVP leap um, throughout the you know the re- remainder of the regular season. So um, hit on the numbers, of course, showing more energy and effort on the defensive end, which was definitely not the case last year. <laughs> um, now you know how the team looked and some of the guys who's playing with may have played a factor, but, you know, there were also videos on the internet where you could visibly see teammates pushing LeBron to go and contest shots. So, and um, see, and, and to, not to interrupt you, no, man, but ahead. it was like, that's what the watched King ended up coming into play. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, he'll go on these spurs and then next thing you know, he just goes ghost. And not like on power. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was like James St. Patrick at one moment, man. It yeah. was like, who shot him, dog? <laughs> but that's my thing now with LeBron, man. It's like he'll have these spurts. It's like then you got to have teammates to get him going. That was the same thing that was going on when he was in Miami, especially in the final first season of that, you know, of that year. And then it was funny. It was like uh, a reverse of uh, – Irony, <laughs> it happened the other way around when it was with Dwayne Wade. But my thing is, it has occurred. Yeah. And this ain't the first rodeo. So now, you know, now he's getting involved with his teammates. And so, you know, Anthony Davis, I think, kind of really helped him out with that. You know, not saying he pushed him, but I'm saying the arrival of Anthony Davis kind of helped that. Because he know he needed that help, especially last season, that he uh, wasn't going to get it. Not from Brandon Ingram. Sorry, I love him. Brandon Ingram is cool and whatnot, man, but he wanted to get the Lonzo ball. Sorry, dude. You just yeah. wasn't going to be that guy uh, helping out with LeBron. It would have been perfect as his dad would sit back and always say that they, these two is going to make him win a championship. Mm. <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my thing is, I think now it gave him a bit of a boost, energy boost. You know, and of course we know about his workout regimen and whatnot, and you know how he continues to build upon himself. But I'm saying the dude is gonna break down at one point. It's just impossible. Yeah. You know, Father Time is still undefeated, man. They never, they never lies on that one. <laughs> never lies, especially in the NBA. You know, out of all the sports, you can kind of start seeing when the end is near. Um, now for LeBron, uh, again, looking fantastic, playing great. Uh, this would be a very very historic MVP for him because he would basically join Michael Jordan and Karl Malone as the only two players to win the award at the age of 35 or older. Mm. So that goes to show you that that father time comment we're making is true because guys at this age just don't continue to play at this level. Now, again, LeBron is a different being than what we've probably ever seen in the NBA before. So if anybody could do it, it could be him. Uh, but we definitely want to make sure that going throughout the remainder of the regular season, you know, continue to monitor exactly how much of a load he's putting on himself. You said that where would it put LeBron's legacy? LeBron is his own legacy. I, let's just be real with ourselves here. LeBron is LeBron James. And – now kids are going to be more like LeBron than 
be about Michael Jordan. Fine, but at the same time, I'm still going to sit there and say Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. I'm not going to keep that there. But LeBron wants his own path, and that's what he's doing. You know, him winning the most valuable player, well, we'll put him up there with those greats. But it also it, it keeps building on his own legacy, you know. Of course, we're going to give him hell about three and five all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Or three and six, I think, yeah. is what it is now. So, well, my thing is is that even though that happened in a precedent run, it was nine NBA Finals appearances in a row. Well, no, it was eight, sorry. But my thing is, even with that, is, you know, he built that. He chose that. You know, you can't put him in that same aspect because the culture changed also with the NBA. Right. So and he was, able, he was able to kind of usher in that player movement with his move to Miami and, you know, the player empowerment era, so to speak, and choosing your destination, choosing to be the person who uh, controls your path. It's why there's so much freedom in the NBA today. Yeah, like he set he set that precedent. Um, and then to be able to not only take your four years in Miami, go to the finals all four of those years, then say, hey, you know what, I'm coming back home, I'm going to Cleveland, let's win one there. To not only win one, but to be in the finals all four years while there too, says a lot uh, about the player that he is and, uh, you know, the way he goes about the game every day. So, uh, again, for those of y'all who are just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast sponsored by the In The Zone Network and the In The Zone Store. Uh, I am your host, Josh Price, joined today by my man Arlington, the A-Train Lane. And um, kind of perfect segue now uh, into this load management discussion (laughs) that has been going on all week in the NBA. Um, We talked about it, you know, in regards to LeBron and what that would mean about him staying healthy the remainder of the year. Um, Bringing it over to Kawhi Leonard, who kind of got this debate started when he chose to, or I won't say that he chose to, but the Clippers chose to hold him out of a nationally televised game on Wednesday on ESPN against Giannis and the Bucks um, because that was the first night of a back-to-back game that they were then set to play um, against the Bucks and the Portland Trailblazers. Elected to hold him out Wednesday, play him Thursday because according to their team doctors, he is not healthy enough to play in back-to-back games right now. Now, the NBA agreed initially with this statement and and what they were told by not only team doctors, but I guess NBA doctors as well, Uh, but then later fined the Clippers for what they considered inconsistent statements about the injury. So, first question to you, Arlington. Do you believe that Kawhi is truly injured, or should I say not healthy enough to play in back-to-back games? I think he's injured. I really do. I really think he's injured, man, because you got to recognize Kawhi just played in an NBA Finals without San Antonio for the first time and won. You know what I mean? So he's won. This is his, what, second or third ring now? Second ring? Yeah. And so my thing is um, second ring, isn't it? But my thing is that he's played at such a high level and he's, he is injury prone. A lot of people saying that he wasn't injured when he was in San Antonio. He was just taking a humongous break. I think that man is really hurt, you know. And so he needs the rehab and whatnot. And, you know, him – now here's the thing, though. If he's hurt, you either shut him down or you keep him out there and playing. This load management stuff that's been out there, 
it's not cool. Because you got people like you and I paying money for these tickets. I want to see my favorite stars out there playing. So if I'm not seeing them, I got an issue about that. It's almost like saying I want a refund and the NBA just stealing my money. If you if you consider it on that standpoint with the load management, because LeBron is now sitting back and saying, I'm gonna play 82 games. When the same LeBron James used to pull them same stunts as well. It was for rest. And you know they, they plan this stuff out. Michael Jordan did that same stuff. Not a lot of times he played 82 games in a season. Now, I remember that first year that they won the title, this, um, the uh, second three-peat. He played every game, all 82. And in other seasons, he wouldn't, you know. But he would sit down for rest and whatnot. That's kind of damaging, you know what I mean? Especially when you come from the greatest player of all time saying that you were looking forward to seeing him and you didn't see him out there. True. So you you also have to look at it from the perspective of somebody like Kawhi, where he so take into account what happened in San Antonio. Now I do believe that he was truly injured in San Antonio to where he couldn't play. And you saw that in the nine games that he did play for them that season. He wasn't healthy. Fast forward to last year. I think the load management thing helped him stay fresh to where you did see him every game of the playoffs playing the most minutes in the playoffs. He was more prepared for that because he sat out 22 games in the regular season. Now, where I feel like this might become an issue for the Clippers, every time that he has sat out so far, I believe they've lost. In the 22 games he missed for the Raptors last year, they were 17-5. and In the Western Conference, you can't afford to just give up those games the way that Toronto was able to just say, okay, hey, Kawhi, sit this one out, we got it. Exactly. For that simple fact of the matter is, one, they were in the East, and they had a bench. When you got a deep bench in Toronto – that's what helped also propel them to winning the title last year. You know, granted what was going on with the Warriors, but you can't sit there and act like that bench didn't do no work because if that was the case, they would have never came back 2-0 from Milwaukee to get there because everybody was penciling in Milwaukee to get into the finals. Without, those, without that help and Kawhi's wonderful play, they're not in the finals. Of course, that jump shot against Philadelphia also kind of helped with that. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, getting it from a standpoint, when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals they was playing against Milwaukee, them, down, them going down 0-2 looked like just another year with Kawhi, and, they, and we'll see what go from there. No, they changed the whole aspect of that, of that Eastern Conference Finals, and then they wind up winning in four straight after that. But that's the thing. In the West, everybody's fighting one another. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's why you consistently see year in and year out with the East that somebody is going to win at least 45 games, 46 games and up. And uh, when there was a time where all eight teams had 50 wins or more, that's unprecedented. And you had the, the teams that didn't make the playoffs, all of them, just about all of them was over 500. 
that it was like two or three teams that didn't have five. Yeah, I remember. I, I can't remember it. what year it was, but I vividly remember all not only all eight teams in the Western Conference making the playoffs, winning fifty games or more, but the Phoenix Suns were like forty-eight and thirty-four, and they missed and missed, and would have been the four seed in the East. Exactly. So, which also comes into play. I'm going to throw the question at you now. Yeah. Should they do 16 teams in the NBA, the best 16 NBA teams fight at it for the finals, or should it just be where it's at right now? So, I've actually thought about this and gone back and forth on this a few times. I think while it would be more entertaining to get seeded 1 through 16 and just mix up the conferences, I think – from the historical aspect of the game and how you measure championships and, you know, team accomplishments, I think it is still important to keep the conferences. Now, I think there is a way for you to tweak the playoff structure to where there is more of an emphasis on trying to get the highest seed possible. Um, you know, I think – the NBA did itself a slight disservice by going to seven-game first-round series instead of five from how they used to be back in the day. From when I first started watching basketball as a kid, you could pretty much tell when the best team was on the court in those five-game series, we're going to get this over with, we're going to get this done and not think twice about it. While you do get more of an upset factor with the seven-game series, you still more times than not are going to see the best team in that series win the series. Let's not forget 1994 with the Denver Nuggets when they pulled up that big upset against the number one seed Seattle Supersonics. Ooh, now the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> if my friend Melissa Ferris is listening, I'm sorry. I know how much she despises the Oklahoma City Thunder, and for good reason too. Yeah. But my thing is that is has been the case that, you know, with uh, – the five-game series and stuff like that. I miss that myself. Yeah. You know, because I remember Chicago used to – when Jordan and they used to dust whoever it was out there all yeah. the time. Yeah, get them out, three games, real simple and easy. You know, we got our two games at home, and, and we'll go ahead and get this thing over with, one, you know, once that road game happens. So, um, going and taking this back to Kawhi, I think for the Clippers it is going to be very important to keep him healthy, but at the same time – you know, do it in a way, like you said, where you decide, okay, either he can play or he can't. Not any of the back and forth on the, okay, well, he's going to play tonight or not tomorrow or, you know, not play tonight and play tomorrow. Like the back and forth, I think, while it, I guess, gives them a competitive advantage of some sort, not having Kawhi on the court from what we've seen so far, you're going to lose anyway. So the competitive right. advantage is gone. Exactly. Um, now, the question – that I have had to struggle with now as opposed to it being good or bad for the Clippers or good or bad for Kawhi is, is this good or bad for the league? And the reason I've struggled on this before I turn it over to you, I think it is important to go out and see your best players night in and night out. Like you said, if I'm going and spending my hard-earned money on tickets, I want to make sure that I'm seeing the best product when I step into the arena. On the flip side of that, I am also a fan of seeing the best basketball possible when it matters most, which is the playoffs. 
again, we saw Serrano last year. Kawhi only played 60 games in the regular season, but he was out there for the most possible minutes there were to be out there for in the playoffs last year. So as a fan of the game and somebody who really wants to see the best bat best possible basketball when basketball is at its highest level. I'm okay with Kawhi missing some nationally televised games here in November if that means I see him in every single nationally televised game in April, May, and June. This is why I disagree with that. There's nothing wrong with playing him in the first quarter or the first half, almost like a preseason game in the NFL. Put him out there for a little bit so that way I can sit there and say, well, at least I got an opportunity to see him and play him before a playoff game. It may be a meaningless game. True. 12, 20 minutes is not bad. However, on retrospect, going against my own disagreement, that you could possibly get hurt. That's a great possibility. Yeah. But, you know, rest is something that all athletes need. And the thing about it is I am wanting to see, the best, like you said, the best basketball there is to offer. And that comes when the playoffs hit. I want to see my guys out there. Case in point, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was not at his best when he got time to playoffs. But you start seeing it wasn't looking good for the Warriors when they got to the finals. And they were trying to make sure that they prized possession because it wasn't Steph Curry. It was Kevin Durant. And then when he had that game, lighting it up in the first quarter, had 11 points, and then that sucker popped. And he had that injury. That was it. Yeah. It was a wrap. It was a wrap. And so now people are going to respond from what they saw with that. Teams are going to respond from that. And so now it's almost like you're going to cut off the fans because it's like you want to see your favorite players in the playoffs, right? So we got to do what we got to do to make sure that you still come back when come playoff time. So, so I had a little disagreement to that point, but also when you look at it from the other side, you still want to see your team got the best chance to win the championship. So you're going to put that team out there. If I need to give them some rest, rest them. Yeah. So, I mean, load management is – it has its uh, highs and it has its lows. You know, so it's, it's, so, it's a, such a slippery slope. Yeah. And it's hard to make it uh, – for fans to understand why do they do those things. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And so if they continue with load management, then – Fans gonna have to deal with that, and I'm I'm sorry, man. I, and I'm it's business. We trying to win titles. We trying and, to bring in money. Exactly, and that that was the point that I was actually gonna get to. You have you know a lot of fans upset about this, but the fans are not the ones whose jobs are on the line if like Doc Rivers doesn't go and win a championship while he has Kawhi and Paul George at his disposal. Exactly. So. You have to make a business decision at some point. And, again, missing this game in November is a lot better than him not being available. Come April. Come April. Exactly. So that is key here, yeah. you know. So if you had to miss a back-to-back, so what? You know, I'm going to side with the Clippers on that. Yeah. You know, because 
What if you don't see him come April? Then what you gonna sit back and say, well, they should have sat him down when they needed to off a of back-to-back. So you're going to go. So it's like we can't win with y'all. Yeah. Fans are always going to have something to be mad at. They're just like they're always going to have something to cheer fickle. for. We're fickle. Me too. Yeah. We're all Include fickle, me in this. We're fickle because we want to see the best that's out there right now, even if it's not the case. Come on. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch it as much as I need to because I'll be waiting for April and May. That's how a lot of people feel about that because then that's when you know who's going to be out there and what kind of ratings is going to be. Now, of course, now if LeBron ain't there, you know LeBron wasn't there. They had the lowest ratings out there for the NBA Finals. Come on, man. I don't, I'm not a big LeBron fan, but I'd be damned if I was sit there and say that LeBron making it in the, in the Finals don't generate revenue and ratings. Of course. So, And then now he in L.A.? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's that, that is going to be everything. It don't matter who the Lakers face up against because, um, and and I, and I am, I am responsible for saying that you know he has cakewalked a lot. <laughs> I have when they was with Miami. You know, what I'm saying they play nobody yep. to get to the finals. Same thing with Cleveland. They play nobody. You know, to get to the finals, they knew how to dust them off. You know. It's going to be a little harder this time. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't going to be as easy as – and I think that was the challenge that LeBron wanted when he decided to go to L.A. is to see can he do it in the West. Now what's going to be said is if he does win a championship in the West, does that solidify him as the greatest of all time? Just might. It just might. It just might. might. And, again, for y'all who are just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast. I do have my man Arlington A-Train Lane on today. Uh, Podcast is sponsored by the In The Zone Network and the In The Zone Store. Now, one last topic I want to get to before we go. Um, Not the NBA, but it is college basketball and a topic that relates to the NBA because one of next year's most, you know, hyped draft picks or potential draft picks, Mr. James Wiseman of University of Memphis was ruled ineligible yesterday. Um, The details are still a little bit fuzzy so far, but from what has been put out there so far, um, Penny Hardaway, of course, now the head basketball coach, one of Memphis's finest, um, allegedly helped James's family uh, moved to Memphis while he was a high school junior, I believe. Um, he was all, or I'm sorry, he was a high school senior, helped his family relocate to Memphis. Um, Wiseman had been in Memphis playing basketball before then. However, his, t- his family still lived in Nashville. So Penny Hardaway helps, the t- uh, helps his family. I-, I keep wanting to say the team for some reason, but helps his family move and relocate to Memphis. He is, you know, making the commitment to go to Memphis, all the while Penny Hardaway, I believe, back in 2008, donated money to the university, which they, and by they, I mean the NCAA, who I'm going to talk a little bit about here in a second. Um, the NCAA ruled him to be a booster because of that monetary donation. So, because he was looked at as a booster, he then allowed you know himself to help out the family in their relocation, uh, which now you know violates NCAA rules. So, first problem that I have with this: 
if if this is all true, first problem that I have with this is not yet with the NCAA. It is with Penny Hardaway, and yep. here's why. Yep. Penny, you got to know better. If this is true, if this is all factual, you have to know better. It is crazy that that's being mentioned now because <laughs> remember, 25 years ago, Penny Hardaway was in a movie that was dealing with some of the yes! same mess. Please, for those of y'all who have never seen Blue Chips. You need to watch that movie. Because <laughs> if this is true, man, this is almost his same storyline when he played Butch McRae. <laughs> oh, my God. Butch. The same, almost the same scenario. Yes, because in the movie, again, for those of y'all who have not seen it, Butch McRae and his family needed a house. His mom needed a house, needed a job. Needed some help. Is basically some help. what he needed. And the coach came over and took care of that for him. And basically, Not he the coach. Him. The boosters. Yes, the boosters. The boosters. In, um, I guess, direction or led in that effort by the coach and told yes, to exactly. to do that by the coach. So I bought one of your boys. <laughs> Remember that line? <laughs> <laughs> so that is where the problem starts if this is all true. Because, again, Penny, you have to know better, especially – Dealing with a kid that I believe went to a high school in Memphis that either Penny Hardaway had ties to or had at one time coached at, mm-hmm. you're already under a microscope. Exactly. And, and let's not forget, Memphis has been under this before. This ain't the first time. Yeah, this is not because the first time. Remember a young man by the name of <laughs> Derek Rose? They tried to keep that discreet yeah. as much as possible. And one, John Calipari, who is now over at Kentucky, and a lot of people do not like Calipari because of the scams and the schemes that he did to get his players. When he had that at Memphis, it was, they said one particular player was having an issue with SATs and ineligibility. So what they do, they wiped out that whole season when they went against Kansas. So that don't even exist. So even though Kansas was the champion anyway. It wiped out a whole entire season, so it almost don't even exist. Yeah. But my thing is with James Wiseman, yes, Penny is at fault here. I'm like, bruh, did you even your fictional story you should have <laughs> known better? Come on, man. Yes. Your fictional story let you know that you shouldn't have done this. I understand. I get it. That's why nowadays now they're putting out the uh the, the benefits and money for players, you know, right. that, that, that rule that's kicking in now, you know. So, I mean, that may not come into uh, – that still actually prov- uh, make trouble for, you know, for Penny. But, you know, with this benefit where they're getting their own money, it may not be as bad, you right. know what I'm saying? So, uh, at this point now, man, it's like, Penny, you just a year – this number it's year two for him, right? Year no, two. this is – yeah, this is year this two. Year I'm two sorry. for him yeah, in, this is year in two. Memphis. I'm like, dude, you already under the microscope because you know Memphis is a top in uh, a top school for, for for recruits and stuff. When well, you're making it into it now, but it's like the route that you took to get there is like, was it worth it? Dude. I hope I hope not, man, because Penny is one of the better coaches with young men that's out there, and to get that message across because he did not have because even now high schools are getting under microscopes. For things they're doing to you know get players big time players to come to their programs is getting out of hand and the more that happens it's like the less we'll see uh big time products you know making it to the nba but i think nothing really is going to happen to his uh draft stock 
No, and so that's the other part of this that's a little bit important to talk about because we see this all the time in, you know, NBA and also in the NFL where, you know, these types of situations happen and you kind of question, okay, what does this mean for the person involved and, you know, or the player involved, I'm sorry. Um, I think James Wiseman is still going to be a top three pick. Yeah. Like, like I, okay, so what, I don't go number one overall, I go number three. Who cares at the end of the still day? Get, like, you'll yeah. still get top five money. You're still going to get paid a lot of money to play basketball. You're probably still going to go to a team that is trash. It's all <laughs> going to be It's all going to be the same. Now, right. Right. for I think the opposite end of this and where I have a problem with the NCAA is, one, we know this whole one-and-done rule is BS anyway. Yes. This is what you get. You know, in relation to that one and done, mm-hmm. where guys are doing whatever it takes to make sure they get the players they need to get for as long as they can possibly get them. And it's sad though because I have to mention this: what it does, like for women's collegiate sports, because they have to play all four years. Even though there have been, if memory serves me correctly, there have been a couple of players that have jumped after their junior year and jumped off to the WNBA. Granted, I understand that a lot of people are like, well, why would you mention the WNBA? Because they're a professional league just like the NBA is, but we focus more, and being real with ourselves, we focus more on the NBA and NCAA men's collegiate sports. And it's a sad thing, but that is the culture, you know? And we need to focus on the women too, because that is, they doing the same things, just that they, Slashed and doing it for less. Yeah. But they're working harder. You know, they got to be seniors, you know, to finally start playing pro ball. But these guys, seven feet, and jump out the gym and can shoot threes from their mama's house. (laughs) My my, my point is, that's what we look at because they're going to be the most exciting. Yep. And so for James Wiseman, man, it's like, it's an unfortunate situation, you know, because even if he doesn't, you know, if, if, if he's out or not, it's not going to do anything to really harm him. Right. And he's so, still going to get money at the end of the day. Exactly. Now, I do hate it for him because, he, again, he he went to Memphis to play basketball. Now, you're not able to play basketball for a decision that probably was not made by him. Now, completely affects him and him only. Butch McCray's mama. <laughs> <laughs> Butch McCray's mama is Mrs. Wise in this, yeah, in this, in case. this case. Man. Or whoever his mother is, I, yeah. I'm not going to sit there and misrepresent her. Right. I'm saying that – you know, she wanted a better life, and, you know, she was like, what you ask? What you offer? Yeah. And so, uh, if, if Penny really did do that, man, it's like, oh, my God, it's just like history repeating itself, man. Yeah. It's like with other players that also have had that same vendetta, you know, or same uh, moniker or whatever at this point because it's funny. LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Oh, man, I could almost – you couldn't get it with Kobe. Kobe got a dad that played me, so he was that was already history. He already made that decision, knowing he was gonna go play in the pros. But I mean, we knew from LeBron, but also from the mother. Mm-hmm. What were we gonna know from that if he went to school? What was they gonna offer her? And I know they offered her the world. Look, but that's what's gonna continuously happen until either the NCAA change something, coaches change something, because the players don't have nothing to really give except they talent. Yeah, that's it. And they get hamstrung because they are so talented in these situations. They're almost forced to try to use their talent to get things for themselves and their families 
when they should be able to go and get those things anyway because of their talent, right. if that makes sense. Yes. So, you know, and, and again, kind of getting on the NCAA about this, the first tweet that I saw about this yesterday, I was really infuriated. And the reason was because Woj actually tweeted it out um, and said that the initial issue was his family moving to Memphis in 2008 when he meant to, I guess, say the initial. 18. Yeah, he meant to say 18, and the booster thing that they verified or I guess are saying for Penny Hardaway, um, that original donation to the school was in 2008. So my initial reaction to the tweet was, we're really about to make this man ineligible for a decision that was made when he was seven years old? (laughs) I could barely make my own decision on what I ate and when I came and went in the house at seven years old. (laughs) You mean to tell me this man had complete understanding and complete control of the situation to move from Nashville to Memphis at seven or eight? I'm glad, I'm glad everything was worked out. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah. I can't see you lose yourself. Oh, oh man, okay. I was hot. Okay, so everything everything smoothed out. Yeah, we we got we got the misunderstandings out of the way. So um, I think you know again, with all said and done, you know Wiseman is still going to be a top prospect and top draft pick. He showed us enough in the two games that he's played, you know, so far that everything that we thought about him is going to be legit now. The one small caveat to this that I think will have to be mentioned as we get closer to the draft is, does this potentially open up the door for LaMelo Ball to be the number one pick in the draft? And, again, we'll have to kind of wait and see because, you know, there's questions about LaMelo just like there's questions about any draft pick. Exactly. exactly. But I think James Wiseman coming into the talks, you know, going into this basketball season, both on the college side and the NBA side, he was probably the safest bet to go number one. Now that safety net's gone. (laughs) All gone. All gone. So does this open up the door for LaMelo to be the number one pick? And if it does, you know, who gets him? Also, who gets James Wiseman? Because I know if I'm, let's say, the Warriors – who I'm already missing Steph Curry for three months. Clay's not coming back. Yeah, Draymond's hurt. <laughs> I mean, they, we could go ahead and just throw D'Angelo Russell to the highest bidder and tank this thing out and say, okay, look, let's take our chances on getting one of these top three picks and maybe James Wiseman falls to us. Because, again, looking at his game and his stature, he fits very well into what the Warriors want to do. Lottery. Yeah. I hate it. I, yeah. really, <laughs> I really hate the draft lottery. It, it doesn't prove why you should tank. But it's also let teams know you don't need to tank. You don't need to. Unless yeah. you were, if the draft lottery wasn't there, tanking, everybody start tanking. You know oh, what I mean? Of course. that know they ain't going nowhere, we start tanking. Yeah, you see so, it in the NFL right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the, the draft lottery is meant for uh, chance. That if you do get it, you know, the team with the worst record will get the highest amount of chances. But also the team with the uh, – with the highest worst record, meaning that they are the last spot that didn't make the playoffs, they have chances to get in too. Case in point, 2000 and, uh, 2008, Chicago Bulls had a 1% chance. Boom, they get the number one pick. Who they select? Derrick Rose. Boom. But, there see, that, but let, let you know is that anybody can grab that number one pick. And so – uh, it don't matter where Wiseman goes, you know. I mean, a lot of will continuously put projections and whatnot of what could possibly happen. But Lamelo Ball, man, 
Because a lot of people are saying, there's some people that are saying that he's better than his own brother. Lonzo. I think Lonzo came out and even said that much. He's better than me. <laughs> yeah, recently. So, um, real interested to see how that all plays out as we get through, you know, the college season and the rest of the NBA season to see how some of these teams shake out towards the bottom of the standings, what that means for some of these prospects. Um, one last thing before we go. Yeah. Um, if I had to ask you one team or player you are most interested in watching the remainder of the basketball season, who would it be? Ooh. Wow, that's, that's a good – it's a great question, man, because there's so many. You know what I mean? So many to choose from right there's now. There's so many to choose from. But there, if it was uh, – if you break it down, as in um, – you're going to be surprised when I tell you because I want to see how – and it's off my team too. I want to see – and it's crazy – Otto Porter Jr. Okay. The reason why I throw his name out – he one, he's a Missouri guy. Second – I wanted to see how he reacts to not being on a playoff team. You know what I mean? Because he was with the Wizards for so long, and they were a part of the playoffs. And when he did, he shown successes. Yeah. And so, and then he got traded last year, I think it was, to uh, Chicago. Now he's got his full season with them. And what I've seen so far is his ability to shoot from three. He's at a 36% clip, I think, right now. And so uh, – the guy has the talents where he can be an all-star. And granted, the Bulls ain't going nowhere. Right. But I think you can work around him, Levine, and marketing, you know, and work something out with that group. You gotta get rid of everybody else around him, seriously. Because they're gonna show flashes, but they're not gonna have, they got talent, it's just they don't have playoff attention, you know. But Otto Porter Jr. is somebody I'm focusing on. I want to see how well he plays in night in and night out. You know, I want to see uh, can he lead a team? Because yeah. Zach Levine, I, I, he can score, but he just can't lead a team. I want to see how well he does because he's a scorer. Of course, you know what I mean. And so, uh, Grant, like I said, I know there's tons of more better players that to pick, but him is what I've really been focusing on. You know, uh, I just want to see how he correlates to a different squad, man, and a different system. Yeah, and, and the Bulls, man, I, I've liked, you know, some of the flashes that I've seen and watching them. I, I hop around on League Pass all the time, and, of course. Thank God for streaming. Yeah, um, I did get a chance to get a very close look at the Bulls the other night. <laughs> blowing, yeah. I think it was as much as a 16-point lead oh, to the Los Angeles Lake. Oh, sorry, I was off. <laughs> I miscalculated. My bad. 19-point lead to the uh -huh. Los Angeles Lakers um, in one of those three straight LeBron James triple double. I was shocked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To get to that point, I was like, I ain't seen the real Bulls come out yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then when that fourth quarter hit, no, oh, yeah. when the third quarter winded down, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen them now. The other real Bulls are. Yeah. Now they're coming back in, and so they pretty much crapped the bed, and they were going to continue to crap the bed. And, that, and I'm like, you did that at home. That's in front crazy. of those. But it was mostly like a balled out. Fans, anyway. So, yeah. You know, and uh, while we're mentioning the Lakers and Bulls, the city of Chicago, hey, Anthony Davis, man, you got to chill, dog. Like, you know, making these comments like, oh, you know, free agent at the end of the year, never know what happens. Hey, man. Look, <laughs> want to go home, dude. Hey, we. I will personally fly out to Los Angeles and pull the Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, like what they did with DeAndre Jordan a few summers ago. Just look, we posting up, we locking ourselves in the crib. You're not going anywhere. You signed the deal. We gave up way too much. Hey, man, look. If you want to go to Chicago, go to Chicago. Man. I, but I guarantee you, if he were to pull that kind of stunt, he bringing some people with him. True. I think so. 
don't think he's just doing it by himself. True. But it, you know what? Yeah. It's been fun, man. This has been fun. We have, we got to do this again. Uh, again, this has been the Price Check Podcast. We definitely have plenty more episodes coming up for y'all here as we get through uh, the remainder of the NBA season. Thank you again to my man Arlington A-Train Lane for joining us today. I am your host, Josh Price of the Price Check Podcast. Check it out. This is In The Zone. Cecilia Towns, the founder, CEO of GladiateHurst.com. Thank you. That's what I like to do. What, what's next? World domination? Yeah. I mean, what's so, next? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that, is, that is eventual, but not quite next. Just growing Gladiate Hurst is really what's next for us. And then, and then world domination. <laughs> you know, it cracks me up every time y'all say I'm on the celebrity line. On the In The Zone Network. Hey, this is the living legend KIL, and I'm feeling wonderful. And I'm in the zone. Shatota. This is in the zone. You should not have said that. His name has just been spoken. Spoken, must be worse broken. Papa. Too late to explain. Go. Watch out. Watch out. For the silly Bullseye. <laughs> on the In The Zone Network.